I am back from my reporting in East Palestine, and boy, was last week a wild ride. From getting to ask former President Trump about Biden's disregard of the toxic train derailment to confronting Pete Buttigieg about the federal government's slow response, it was incredible to watch the difference between Americans' responses to both Trump and Buttigieg being on the ground. Now, sadly, Joe Biden doesn't think the residents of East Palestine are worth a visit, but he was able to make an entire trip overseas to Ukraine before his administration pledged another $10 billion to the country. And sadly, since we've last talked, we are inching closer to World War III. That is very much a reality as Biden continues to send our taxpayer dollars overseas while American citizens continue to battle record high inflation rates and quote unquote leaders who continue to play politics with our lives. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Thank you guys for being patient with me while I was out on the ground last week reporting from East Palestine on the reality of what has been happening in that small town that has been completely abandoned by the federal government. Now, new label dropped for me, okay? I was able to confront Pete Buttigieg about the federal government's slow response, like I just said in that intro, and um, his press secretary labeled me an aggressive reporter. This is from the New York Post. We made national news, my friends. Uh, almost every single right-wing network picked up this footage, and on top of that, we got into multiple different publications as well. So I would venture to say that we were able to hold Pete Buttigieg accountable and hold his feet to the fire and on a national stage bring light to the federal government's slow response to the poor residents of East Palestine, Ohio. So truly to every single person here who has supported me since day one, thank you so much for being here with me as I have continued to report on the ground. Thank you for always supporting me. And most importantly, thank you for inspiring me. Uh, I was able to go on Laura Ingram's show while I was over there. And um, it was honestly one of the most exhausting weeks of my life. I don't think I ate for three days. I barely slept, but every single moment was worth it because it really is the American people that I am doing this for. And you guys are my driving force. I am so honored truly to be able to be a voice for not only the residents of East Palestine, but all of my fellow Americans nationwide. So just wanted to start off the show with a thank you to you guys for always inspiring me, pushing me forward and supporting me as we continue to hold our corrupt elected officials accountable. So uh, yeah, guys, I'm an aggressive reporter. And um, please remember that this aggressive reporters show is sponsored by by you guys so uh, quickly here. If you guys would like some of the behind the scenes of where I'm going next, or you would like access to directed messaging with me, check out my subscribe star. The link is down below. I post behind the scenes stuff on there. More importantly, I'm able to talk to you guys more directly. I get a lot of your DMs on Twitter, on Instagram. I see all of your comments on YouTube, but because there are so many of them, I can't respond to each and every single one. So this is a great way to support the show and also have access to speaking with me directly. Um, also, please remember, too, that this show is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, please go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you do like the show as it helps us grow in the charts. Now, enough of that. Let's jump into the news because, yes, I have been absent from being able to commentate on things with you guys. Uh, but again, just a quick recap of what happened last week. Now, we started off the week strong and uh, former President Donald Trump ended up being on the ground in East Palestine. And for those of us who haven't been, uh, you know, keeping up with this since day one, let me give you a quick timeline here. On February 3rd, the beginning of this month, we had that toxic train derailment, uh, Norfolk Southern strain derailed, and there were various chemicals such as vinyl chloride, phosgene that were leaked into the soil that were burned off into the air of East Palestine. And the federal government completely ignored this. If you guys want more of a comprehensive timeline, go check out my last episode. Uh, but basically, Americans nationwide were uh, very upset at the federal government completely abandoning Americans. Many people asking, why isn't Pete Buttigieg, our secretary of the Department of Transportation, not on the ground? Why is the federal government not bringing more light to this? Why is it that the media isn't really covering this issue? Remember that a News Nation reporter was trying to live stream one of the press conferences and immediately got arrested. And it was up to residents of East Palestine to take it into their own hands and go on TikTok and social media to say, hey, the government is lying. The EPA is lying. Our air and our water is not safe. Uh, there's toxic chemicals being burned into our air here. Somebody please help us. Remember that it took Pete Buttigieg 10 entire days to respond to this toxic derailment. And it was not until 
President Donald Trump said, hey, I'm going to be going to the affected area that Pete Buttigieg finally said, oh, well, I'm also going. And he ended up showing up the next day. So I went out on the ground because uh, on top of wanting to be there to ask Donald Trump what his response to Joe Biden was and confront Pete Buttigieg, I also wanted to more importantly speak to the residents, go smell the air there myself, go look at the creeks myself. And yes, there were toxic chemicals that were, um, you know, still over the the top of the creeks that are flowing through this town. Please go to my Twitter account for all of the on the ground footage so you guys can see just one week ago. OK, now this was a couple days ago. I was just there this past Wednesday. This is what the city still looks like. The town, really, it's a very small area. And there's water pumps at all of these small creeks that are running throughout the town. And these creeks smell like toxic chemicals. I actually shot a report in one in front of one of these um, little waterways, if you will. And the air smelled so toxic that I was getting a headache. So that is what the residents of East Palestine are being faced with right now. And again, the federal government's response has been, oh, well, the EPA says the air and water is clean. The same EPA, mind you, that said that the air was safe to breathe in post 9-11 in New York City. Um, and Joe Biden since announced that, no, I'm not going to be making the trip to East Palestine because it's not worth a presidential visit because he is the America last president. And I saw that uh, so plainly this week. And again, not to make this a political issue, but being there on the ground when Donald Trump was there was really incredible. You could feel the energy in the air. It was palpable. Whether you love Trump or you hate Trump, he did show up for those residents. And I spoke to them on the ground and they genuinely told me, hey, we just want to be seen. We just want to be heard. We just want to be recognized because our air, water and soil has been poisoned. Our lives have been ruined. I spoke to a East Pal Palestine resident Palestine, sorry, resident who told me I have lived here since 1967. I'm Ukrainian myself. But why is Joe Biden putting a foreign country ahead of what is happening here? Her quote was, uh, Joe Biden seems to only want to follow things that are shattering. Well, this event is shattering to us. What's happening in Ukraine is bad, but what's happening here is also bad. And again, this is American soil that this happened on. So uh, Donald Trump went to go acknowledge the residents. And I watched as tears streamed down these people's faces because they genuinely just wanted somebody to recognize them as American citizens and say, hey, I care about you. So, um, yeah, I'm really trying to, you know, neutrally just give you guys, again, what I did see in response to the residents there. They were so grateful to have a leader who truly just cared enough to be on the ground, speak with them, shake their hands, go smell the air that they're breathing in, go see the water that has been infected with these chemicals and say, hey, you know what? You're not forgotten. So the difference between Donald Trump being on the ground and Pete Buttigieg being on the ground was night and day. Of course, Trump welcomed with a huge reception, open arms. People were cheering in the streets. And then we had Pete Buttigieg come and I went ahead and I did confront him. And I asked him that important question as to why the federal government had such a slow response. He ran away from me. And then his press secretary tried to come up to me and say, oh, please don't roll the cameras. I'll speak to you off camera. And then a security guard tried to tell me I couldn't film and try to get local police to shut me down. And for the first time in my reporting career, local police stood up for my right to film. And they said, actually, you know, this reporter is in public and she can film. We were able to hold uh, Pete Buttigieg's feet to the fire. Uh, this went viral. And uh, most importantly, he was made a, a national laughingstock. The federal government is a national laughingstock. And they should be absolutely ashamed that this is the response to this crisis. This is an ecological crisis. This is probably one of the worst chemical spills in modern day American history. We're still being lied to about it. To this day, the EPA is still telling citizens that the air and water supply is safe. And again, here was Joe Biden response as to whether or not he would be visiting this re these residents. Okay, so completely random, dementia-ridden response from Joe Biden trying to make up an excuse as to why he can't go visit the residents over there. And you know that the situation is bad when you do have the Washington Post coming in and trying to run cover for Joe Biden. 
um, with their headline, how a small town train derailment erupted into a cultural battle. It's not a cultural battle um, because people are trying to politicize this issue. It's a cultural battle because Joe Biden decided to go to Ukraine over visiting the American citizens that have been affected by this. Um, so, you know, even in their own piece, they have to admit that the federal federal response was extremely slow that his decision to go to Ukraine uh, further inflamed already brewing domestic tensions over his handling of, again, that train derailment. Um, and then they go in and they try to run cover for him and say, oh, well, you know, they were there since day one and this and that. Really, um, why is it then that we are still seeing images like this? This was taken last night. Um, or actually, I apologize. This was taken three days ago at a town hall. It was last Friday by Nick Sorter, one of the journalists who has been on the ground since day one. He has really been the first person on the ground, and he took this picture um, from East Palestine High School of their water fountains locked. They're still locked up because I would imagine the water is not safe to drink. However, the residents still being told that it is. So just a quick update on that. Um, also, this broke today. Uh, Biden admin pauses removal of contaminated waste from East Palestine after destination states complain. So apparently they were taking the toxic soil from from Ohio and they were trying to send it over to Texas and Michigan. Um, I believe it was Michigan that responded and said, hey, we are not going to accept this. You can't just bring this toxic soil over to us. Um, and 15 truckloads, I believe, were were sent out of Ohio to a hazardous waste facility in Michigan, others to Texas, and some of those have since been sent back to East Palestine. So just trying to give you guys like the latest updates on the ground there, because I did go talk to the residents. They were some of the sweetest and most kind hearted people. Um, I don't want this story to die because keep in mind that a lot of these chemicals that have been released are carcinogenic and these people are going to have long-term health effects. Um, and again, too, holding Norfolk Southern accountable. This comes from ProPublica. The company, Norfolk Southern, who's trained to rail in East Palestine, Ohio, has a policy that allows staffers to instruct crews to ignore alerts from track sensors that flag possible mechanical issues. It's in the company rulebook. Um, so again, NTSB Newsroom plans to release a report on the East Palestine derailment later on um, in the morning, and they believed a wheel bearing in a car overheated and failed just before the train derailed. And this is the interesting part about this too, my friends, because this went underreported. Norfolk Southern disregarded a similar, similar mechanical issue in October, four miles before a train derailed in Sandusky, Ohio. And what happened with that situation is that a train was en route to Cleveland when dispatchers told the crew to stop it. Uh, Clyde Whitaker of Smart Union Workers is telling the story. He said the help desk had learned that a wheel was heating up on the engine. The train was towing. The company sent a mechanic to diagnose the problem. Whitaker says that it couldn't be determined what was causing the wheel to overheat, but the safest course of action would have been to set the engine aside to be repaired, which would have added about an hour to the journey. But again, the dispatcher told the crew that a supervisor determined that the train should just continue on without removing the engine. It's totally fine. And then four miles later, that train derailed. And very similar to what we saw in East Palestine, it dumped thousands, different chemical here, but it dumped thousands of gallons of molten paraffin wax in the city of Sandusky, also in Ohio. So this company has a history of ignoring some of the the alerts that they probably shouldn't. They have had multiple train derailments. And again, this has just gone underreported. And uh, in regards to this whole situation, we now have people like Joy Behar saying that, oh, well, the residents of East Palestine deserved it because this was Trump country. They voted for Trump primarily. So they deserve this. And they were pointing to uh, Donald Trump lessening regulations, which led to these types of train derailments, um, to which I would respond, okay, if this was Donald Trump's fault, how long has Donald Trump been out of office for? 
And why is it that Pete Buttigieg at the beginning of this said, oh, well, there's a thousand train derailments per year. He immediately went with the excuse. Why was it that he didn't come forward with a proposition as to how we're going to fix those train derailments? It was immediately throw it off and blame it on Donald Trump. So you have a Joy Behar of The View saying, hey, yeah, you guys deserved it because you're Trump country. Absolutely disgusting and abhorrent. And when I tell you guys that liberals and leftists want you dead, this is what I'm talking about about. This is one of the most toxic derailments, like I've said, in modern day American history. These people's lives were ruined. And this isn't just all white Americans who, uh, you know, voted for Donald Trump. The Ukrainian woman that I spoke to was just as critical of Joe Biden as she was Donald Trump. And she was Ukrainian. But Joy Behar says she deserves to die because the majority of people over there voted for Donald Trump. Now, surprisingly enough, it took a CNN panelist to call out this nonsense. And uh, I do want to play this clip for you. This came out today, um, but I genuinely am surprised that this came out on CNN. Happily surprised. But uh, but listen to the message um, from Nina Turner, who was on CNN, and her response to Joy Behar basically saying that these American citizens deserve to have their entire city or their small town poisoned uh, because they're, quote unquote, Trump country. And then just one more point. Yeah. For the neoliberals who say that the residents of that area deserve what they, they are getting because they voted for President Donald J. Trump. It is abhorrent. Mm. This is about poverty. This is about poor working class white people who are enduring some of the same things that poor working class black people endure, whether it's Flint, Cleveland, or Jackson, Mississippi. And so I want to lay it out. The, the cultist behavior in politics right now, it is a sin and a shame that when people are suffering to this magnitude, you got people who will fix their mouths, to quote my grandmother, to say that they are getting what they deserve. What they deserve is clean air, clean food, clean water. They deserve relief, both in the short term and also in the long term. Okay, so why is Nina Turner on CNN more capable of a response to a an American crisis than the federal government is? Now, people think that I'm dramatic when I say that the Biden administration hates you, that they want you dead, that they don't care about American citizens. But why is it that you have a panelist who has a more comprehensive plan as to what needs to be done? Okay, clean air, clean water, some type of response. Why is it that you have people like this who are more passionate and care more about American citizens than the president of the United States? Now, I saw this article earlier today. All presidents avoid reporters, but Biden may achieve a record in his press avoidance. Um, and then it just basically goes on to say how uh, Joe Biden has avoided the press more than any other president in history, I believe. Um, in the, one of the first paragraphs, it took Biden until late March 2021 to hold his first press conference more than two months after his inauguration. The longest a new president had gone without holding a press conference in 100 years. During Biden's first year in office, he held a total of 10 press conferences. Most of those featured him reading prepared remarks remarks and then leaving without taking questions from reporters. And of course, when he does take those questions, he tends to call on only pre-selected reporters and from his own words, quote, on a list that he has been given. So um, again, you know, the reason I'm highlighting this headline here is because this is just another example of the non-transparency that we're seeing from the alleged most transparent administration in U.S. history. Joe Biden doesn't care about American citizens. It's why he does not speak to un or yeah, it's why he won't speak to unapproved reporters. Same thing with Pete Buttigieg. That's why he ran away from me, because Pete Buttigieg's response to me was his response to the American people, was Joe Biden's response to the residents of this entire country that he is supposed to serve. These leaders look down on us and they think that we are below them and they don't understand that they work for us, which is why they run away from us, which is why they try to silence us, which is why they use the CIA, the FBI, and all of these intelligence agencies to target us because they want us to shut up and they want us to go away. They're mad that we're not subserviently bending the knee to them. And instead of doing their damn jobs and caring about Americans and actually working towards making a more prosperous country for every single resident and citizen of this nation, they are more concerned about power and playing politics with our lives. Now, we're going to get into Ukraine here in a moment because 
America truly is being sacrificed at the altar of Ukraine at this point. And American lives are the ones that are going to be sacrificed and the ones that are going to be lost at behest, uh, you know, at the behest of Ukraine at this point to push us into World War Three and a war that we do not need to be in. And Joe Biden will continue to be a president that has the minimal amount of press conferences who only speaks to approved press because he knows that what he is doing is the exact opposite of what is good for the American public. He is the America last administration. And again, seeing the the um, the reception of Donald Trump versus Pete Buttigieg on the ground in East Palestine was the perfect example of who the American people want, okay? Uh, again, they want a leader. I'm not saying it's Donald Trump, but I'm saying they want a leader who's going to acknowledge them and care enough about them to actually show up. People still questioning to this day, why is East Palestine not worth a presidential visit? But Joe Biden was able to go to a quote unquote active war zone. Now, last Monday was President's Day and Joe Biden decided to use President's Day to go over to Ukraine. Now, here's one of the first clips that came out of Joe Biden walking through Ukraine with Zelensky as air raid sirens are going off. Listen. So they're walking. Joe Biden, so brave, so bold. He's over there in Ukraine uh, putting America last because, uh, you know, East Palestine and the toxic train derailment that is leaving children with hives, rashes and the inability to breathe is not as important as his photo op with Zelensky. Yeah, guys, uh, we sent billions over there. People say 100 billion, almost 200 billion. We don't know at this point. We've sent so much taxpayer money over there that we have lost track. But it's it's great, you guys. You know, Joe Biden was able to get his photo op with Zelensky. And this is what we were given on President's Day last week. One year later, Kiev stands. Ukraine stands. Democracy stands. America and the world stand with Ukraine. That's what um, Joe Biden's intern wrote, because we all know damn well Joe Biden is not competent enough to even understand how Twitter works. And then here is the BS photo of uh, Zelensky in um, the only green shirt that he owns with Joe Biden in an alleged active war zone. And just to, again, highlight how staged and nonsensical this entire situation is. The media tried to say that Biden made a surprise visit to Ukraine nearly one year after the Russian invasion. And it was this show of strength. It was this show of American leadership, right? No, absolutely not. Underreported was the fact that Russia was given a heads up as to um, Joe Biden's visit. They basically said, hey, Russia, uh, if you could give us a ceasefire, that would be great because Joe Biden's going to be in the area. And we want to go ahead and avoid, uh, you know, maybe some more conflict here. Uh, Huffington Post even had to admit it. Um, they put out the headline, here's how Joe Biden was snuck into Ukraine without anyone noticing. And then they say, for one, Russia was given a heads up of the president's visit to avoid any miscalculation that could bring the two nuclear armed nations into direct conflict, which brings us back to our air siren photo op. Now, a lot of people pointing out that Secret Service not even flinching as these air raids are going off. And on top of that, Russia was given a heads up. So basically what that means is Russia would have known that if they were missile striking Ukraine while Joe Biden was there, it would have uh, fast tracked us and basically confirmed that the United States would have been involved in World War Three. And that's what that would have meant. If Russia knew Joe Biden was on the ground and decided to missile strike. So a lot of people pointing out that not only did Russia have a heads up on this and these air sirens, uh, these air raid sirens were staged. But on top of that, if you look at the body language of Secret Service, they're not even flinching. You think that Secret Service is going to let Joe Biden walk through an environment where there's potential missile strikes waiting to happen? Is that how the Secret Service has ever been with any president of ever? No, it's an absolute freaking joke. And again, just another slap in the face of the American people. Uh, this came out just four days ago. OK, so four days ago, let me look at my calendar here in live time. It was Thursday. All right. So I had been on the ground in East Palestine for an entire uh, day at that point. Right. Like a full morning tonight, spoke to residents, got to meet them, got to really see the gravity of the situation, how serious it was. The next morning, 
This is what I woke up to alongside all of the abandoned American residents of that small town. In the coming months, we expect to provide around $10 billion in additional economic support for Ukraine. That's right, guys. That is Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, who's supposed to be helping Americans uh, lower inflation or fight inflation, not helping Americans, sorry. Uh, she's supposed to be combating the record high inflation. That is Janet Yellen saying that we are pledging another $10 billion to Ukraine. Now, I'm on the ground in East Palestine, breathing in the toxic air alongside the abandoned residents, and this is what we're waking up and seeing. Joe Biden making an overseas trip to a country that, by the way, he's not the president of, he's not the leader of, he's not supposed to be funding that country. I know that if you were to look at this situation from an outside perspective and you had no political understanding of how the things worked, you would really think that Joe Biden was the president of Ukraine because he cares about Ukraine. He's sending them money. He acknowledges them. He gives them his time, his effort, his energy. And what do Americans get? We get record high crime. We get record high inflation. We get completely abandoned by our government. And those of us who haven't been abandoned then get targeted by our government if we speak out against them in a negative fashion. Um, oh, yeah. By the way, guys, the Wall Street Journal put out a really fun article today that said that, yeah, COVID probably did happen from a lab link. Lab leak. Um, not probably. It did. It most likely did which is just, you know, crazy breaking news, right? Kind of weird how the federal government tried to keep that covered up, how they were not transparent over the past two years with COVID. But that's a whole nother issue. Getting back to Ukraine and the absolute joke that is the Biden administration. That is what the residents of East Palestine are continuing to see every single day. And if you guys are tired of hearing that story, I'm sorry, but this is the reality and this is the best example right to highlight who this administration cares about and it's not americans and it's getting so bad that even like i said liberal residents of east palestine liberals in america are like okay joe biden you need to stop so on top of pledging another 10 billion of our money because remember janet yellen can pledge this money and the Federal Reserve can continue to print it out. But that just means more inflation for us. That's what that means. We're already dealing with record high inflation. We're already dealing with the inability to um, afford groceries. America's not doing too great. Be really cool if maybe we could get some help. And what did we wake up to this morning? Oh, Janet Yellen also made a surprise visit to Ukraine. Why did Janet Yellen need to be in Ukraine? Well, why not, guys? I mean, all of the coolest politicians are like using taxpayer dollars to jump on their private flights. By the way, remember, climate change is at the forefront for the Biden administration. But they're going to go ahead and take those private flights to Ukraine. Um, Biden went last week. So it's obvious that Janet Yellen, who has been pledging billions of our dollars to Zelensky, had to meet him in person. And um, here's some B-roll of that from today. There's Janet Yellen just popping up out of nowhere to announce another $1.25 in aid to Ukraine. This headline comes from the Gateway Pundit. Joe Biden was just in Ukraine giving uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky more U.S. taxpayer money, but that just wasn't enough, guys. Yellen is now in Kiev to announce another transfer of 1.25 billion to Ukraine and she is also working to seize the 300 billion in Russian bank assets frozen by sanctions and transferring it to Ukraine to help rebuild the country that's right guys we are all about rebuilding that country um the United States we're gonna suffer we're gonna crumble do we have a border right now absolutely not is the average American citizen feeling comfortable in any way shape or form absolutely not but the media is going to continue to lie on behalf of the Biden administration, just like CNN, who says Yellen says that's so far so good in the U.S. inflation battle. That's right, guys. Um, is your grocery bill a little bit more expensive? Feeling the pinch in your wallet? Your kids may be going hungry because the economy isn't doing so great. Well, uh, Janet Yellen says that so far it's so good. And yeah, inflation is probably a little bit higher than it should be. But um, like, we have to go to Kiev 
And those people need us. We need to secure their border. We need to help rebuild their country. We need to make sure that they're funded. We need to make sure that their children are safe. We need to make sure that their citizens are prosperous. So sorry, America. Oh, your, your home was poisoned. Your city is being um, overrun by criminals that are being emboldened by the same administration that's soft on crime. F you. That's the bottom administration in the modern day. Going back to CNN business, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said money, Monday, <laughs> money. <laughs> uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said Monday, she believes U.S. inflation remains too high, but that a soft landing is on the radar. During an exclusive interview with CNN, she said that the Federal Reserve's efforts to date to bring down inflation while maintaining a strong labor labor market appear achievable. I would say so far so good, said Yellen, a former Fed chair who led the central bank from 2014 to 2018. And uh, again, that uh, interview took place in Ukraine. Now, on top of the $10 billion that we pledged to Ukraine, and um, I guess this extra $1.25 billion that we are pledging as well, and on top of the, what, like 100 to $200 billion we've already sent over there, um, let's not forget that Biden also announced while he was in Ukraine that we will be sending $500 million in new military aid to Ukraine um, because, you know, we're just on the fast track to World War III at this point. And for those of you who might not understand, uh, the significance of the United States continuing to fund this uh, basically, we're already in a soft war with Russia, if you will, because we have continued to send weapons to Ukraine, because we have continued to fund Ukraine, because Joe Biden has talked about sending various missiles to Ukraine. If you go and you look at Russia's response to this and you go and listen to Russian state TV, I have talked about this as well. They have straight up said the United States and Americans aren't going to understand how serious we are until they're hit on the head with a nuke. Russia does have nuclear capabilities. So no, we shouldn't be messing around with them in any way, shape or form. And if we do get into war with Russia, is it Zelensky that's going to be on the front lines? Is it Joe Biden that's going to be on the front lines? Is it Hunter Biden that's going to be on the front lines? No, it's going to be your sons, daughters, brothers, sisters that are going to be on the front lines. And uh, by the way, Here's Zelensky as well, because a reporter asked him, hey, um, there are Americans who think that um, we're giving too much aid to your to Ukraine. What is the, your response to that? This is what Zelensky had to say. Polls in the United States are suggesting that a growing number of Americans believe that the U.S. is giving too much support to Ukraine. What would your message be on the anniversary to those Americans? And that uh, percentage of uh, Americans, as uh, you've mentioned, is increasing. Uh, I can tell them only one thing. If they do not change their opinion, if they do not understand us, if they do not support Ukraine, they will uh, lose NATO, they will lose uh, the cloud of the United States, they will lose the leadership position that they are joining in the world. We will lose our leadership position if we don't fast track into World War III to support Ukraine. Now, again, just to give you guys some more idea of the rhetoric coming out of warmonger Zelensky's mouth. Um, this came out seven days ago, a week ago, uh, Ukraine Zelensky. If China allies itself with Russia, there will be a world war. Yeah, China is already allying itself with Russia. So there's Zelensky again at the forefront of calling for a world war. Don't forget that it was Zelensky who at the start of this, because I'm going to play a clip uh, from Jimmy Dore. Because he does like very quickly give a brief history as to why Russia was upset that we were on their border. Why Russia was upset at NATO expansion. And basically, Ukraine is supposed to be a buffer state, right? So they're not supposed to be a part of NATO because NATO, the way that Russia views them, is essentially an extension of the U.S. and America trying to encroach on Russia's border via NATO. So remember that at the beginning of this, 
Zelensky was like, NATO needs to come in and they need to come and they need to help us immediately. We need to be a part of NATO. So Zelensky has been full throttle trying to get us into a world war immediately. And of course, the entire media tries to paint him out as this saint who simply cares about the Ukrainian people. No, there is an entire alternate reality to what is happening on the ground that we are not being told about because, again, liars rule our reality and dictate what we are and are not allowed to see. And again, this is the rhetoric coming from Biden and even Republican officials regarding this war. Are they trying to de-escalate tensions? Are they trying to bring, uh, you know, Ukraine and Russia to the table for peace talks? No, this is what Joe Biden had to say. Um, again, I believe he came out and said this on President's Day last week. Here's his response and his attempt at de-escalating the situation. Remind us that freedom is priceless. It's worth fighting for for as long as it takes. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. So there's Joe Biden. We're going to be here with you, Zelensky, for as long as it takes. And again, is it Joe Biden's family members that are going to be at the front lines that are going to be killed on behalf of corrupt Ukraine, where, by the way, Hunter Biden has had previously corrupt business dealings? You think that um, sorry, I'm just just it's really setting in that, yeah, it, it would be like potentially my little brother that goes to war. Like, I want us to all think about this on a really personal level. And I think that a lot of liberal America doesn't understand the reality of what a war, a world war actually looks like. And it is horrifying and it's disgusting that Zelensky, again, instead of trying to negotiate, instead of anybody trying to negotiate peace talks, they're really escalating the situation. And it's not just the Biden administration that's been doing this. Here's Mitch McConnell as well and his response to Ukraine. Well, I'm going to try to help explain to the American people that defeating the Russians in Ukraine is the single most important event going on in the world right now. And by the way, um, he made those comments a couple of weeks back. I believe he made those comments after the toxic train derailment in East Palestine. He might have made them before. But regardless of that, keep in mind that we are dealing with an open southern border where record amounts of fentanyl are coming across and killing Americans every single day. Keep in mind that your democratic and progressive cities are dealing with record high crimes and American citizens have been told in places such as San Francisco, hey, don't wear jewelry outside. Don't drive nice cars to Los Angeles if you're going to go out to eat because you're probably just going to get robbed. And that's just how life is over here. Sorry. Keep in mind that we still have January 6th defendants that are being targeted by our federal government. Political prisoners. There's a lot of issues happening here. But for Mitch McConnell, Ukraine's at the forefront. Here's also Lindsey Graham. I like the structural path we're on here. As long as we help Ukraine with the weapons they need and the economic support, they will fight to the last person. Then we'll fight to the last person. And who is that last person? Again, it's you. It's not these corrupt politicians. And I'm tired of them playing politics with our lives. Uh, by the way, uh, apparently the Biden administration cleared Ukraine of misusing U.S. financial aid. So, yeah, guys, the Biden administration said that, you know, I know CBS tried to put out the documentary that talked about how our funds aren't really noted as to where they're going. And sometimes the, uh, you know, military aid that we're sending over there is ending up on the black market. But we're just going to go ahead and clear Ukraine of any wrongdoing because Russia bad. By the way, here's a, a quick idea what the media looked like before and after the Ukraine crisis. Now, if we look before 2022, before the Russian invasion of Ukraine from The Guardian, welcome to Ukraine, the most corrupt nation in Europe from Reuters. Ukraine's neo-Nazi problem from Vox. A Ukrainian comedian turned president is embroiled in Trump's impeachment mess from New Europe. Ukrainian president's rule becomes increasingly corrupt and authoritarian. And after the Ukraine crisis, let's go ahead and check in on The Guardian, who says... The fight for Ukraine is a fight for liberal ideals. 
tools from Reuters for foreign fighters. Ukraine offers purpose, camaraderie and a cause from CNN. Ukrainians are giving two lessons in democracy that Americans have forgotten. And from the Washington Post, Zelensky, the TV president turned war hero. That's the media that is fast tracking us towards World War Three, that is completely overlooking the other side of what is actually going on in Ukraine and why Russia initially encroached on their borders to begin with. Now, I said I was going to play this clip by Jimmy Dore. It's a little bit over a minute long, but please like listen to it in its entirety, because I promise you this is probably an angle. If you're just, uh, you know, looking into the Russia, Ukraine situation, you probably haven't heard this angle anywhere else. So um, here is Jimmy Dore giving us some insight as to why Russia probably encroached on Ukraine's border to begin with. These are the same people who lied us into the Iraq war, lied to us sure. about Libya lied to us about Syria dropped so many bombs in Syria they ran out of bombs they're doing the same thing America is the world's terrorist we have 400 military bases surrounding China we provoke this by people don't know that the CIA got in bed with the right-wing Nazis in Ukraine to overthrow the democratically elected government of Ukraine in 2014 we had a we had a peace deal it was called the Minsk Accord and then they violated who violated it Ukraine kept shelling the Donbass which are the Russian speakers in the east part of the Ukraine. And that's why Putin had to be provoked to invade to protect those people. Nobody will tell you that. Everybody who talks about every other news station, by the way, you're the only one doing this. And I applaud you for letting people come on and tell the truth about what's actually happening in Ukraine. Other stations, when I watch what they do is they start the history of Ukraine from Putin's invasion. They never tell you that we overthrew their democratically elected government in 2014. They never tell you that they didn't stop shelling the people in the Donbass. They never abided by the Minsk Accord. They don't tell you that the former uh, German prime minister said that the, the reason why they did the Minsk Accords in the first place was so that Ukraine could build up their military to get ready for this war that they're provoking. So there you go, an alternate angle that you probably haven't heard. Uh, by the way, too, I will highlight this because this is something that I have been noticing as well. Um, Kyle Becker on Twitter points out, hey, I'm not seeing a lot of footage from on the ground in Ukraine. And the footage that I am seeing is fake. It's old footage. He says there's been a lot of heated pushback on my complaint that there has been a major lack of verified war footage from Ukraine in the U.S. Why do I want actual verified war footage from the Russia-Ukraine war and not unsourced telegram posts? No reason, no reason at all. And then he goes ahead and puts up some screenshots about a lot of these videos that we're seeing out of Ukraine that ended up being false, that ended up being old videos that, again, are not up to date on what is actually happening over there. Um, funny, too, you do have CBS bringing on a, an American from the front lines of Ukraine. And, you know, it's just laughable, right? Because one, it's funny to me that this liberal American is willing to go, quote unquote, fight for a foreign country of the United States of America. And that is your average liberal in the modern day. They would rather uh, go and virtue signal and pretend that they want to give up their lives for Ukraine on the front lines before they actually care about their own country. Uh, by the way, this person is allegedly, apparently a, a transgender. So, of course, they're trying to be like, oh, this this fierce woman that's on the ground. That's a man who was previously a federal FBI, or yeah, federal informant, an informant for the FBI. So, you know, just propaganda all around, my friends. And, uh, you know, if you want to say, hey, Savile, there's your footage from the front lines. Uh, I just want to look at that from the angle of, of course, U.S. media is bringing on a transgender um, pretending, you know, a, a man pretending to be a woman from the front lines of this war that the Biden administration is pretending that we need to be a part of. Uh, by the way, something else that I haven't gotten to, but is very notable in this entire situation. Remember that Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline was exploded. It was blown up. Uh, you know, many would call that an act of war. Many pointing to the fact that Russia would not blow up their own pipeline. A lot of this pipeline was sending a lot of um, natural gas from Russia to countries such as Germany. It got blown up. A lot of people saying, why would Russia blow up their own pipeline? That makes zero sense. And then you had an American investigative journalist and political writer, Seymour Hirsch, 
He claimed that the bombing of the Nord Stream gas pipeline was carried out by the United States in a covert operation, according to his findings. Now, he published this on Substack. And before you guys say, oh, well, how do we know this guy is to be trusted? He is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Um, and again, he noted that the decision to da damage the pipelines occurred after more than nine months of top secret debates inside the Washington intelligence community. Throughout most of this time, the question was not whether to carry out the operation but how to do so without tipping off the U.S. government. The White House's primary objective was to prevent Moscow from considerably boosting its income while simultaneously reducing the dependence of Western Europe, particularly Germany, on inexpensive Russian gas, said Hirsch. So he goes on to talk about, um, again, how he thinks it was the United States that blew up the pipeline. Please go and look into that for yourselves. I think that it's an interesting angle here because we still don't know who blew up that pipeline. But if it was the United States, then again, a thousand percent World War Three, because the U.S. Uh, continues to instigate in foreign affairs and continues to stage wars. It's not the first time they've done this. It's not going to be the last time. So go look into that, that the U.S. Uh, potentially allegedly blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, which again, a lot of people questioning, we kind of seem like the top culprit here. Now, there have been so many marches, not only in the United States, but worldwide against war between Russia and Ukraine, more importantly, uh, foreign involvement with this war. You had the March Against the War Machine in Washington, D.C. This was on President's Day, and hundreds of people were in attendance to basically rally to say, hey, stop funding the war in Ukraine, stop sending weapons over there. Tulsi Gabbard was one of the speakers in attendance. And of course, the media slandered this and labeled this as a pro-Putin, pro-Russia bad rally when at the core of it people were genuinely just like war is not a good thing like that's where we've gotten to in 2023 if you are anti-war you're like this pro-russia neo-nazi which is ridiculous um now it wasn't only in the united states we also have protests happening in london this was london this past weekend um they're demanding an end to sending weapons to Ukraine. A group of people in London on Saturday held a demonstration calling for peace in Ukraine and an end to sending more weapons. At the demonstration held by Stop the War Coalition, the protesters chanted anti-war slogans while holding banners against sending more weapons to Ukraine as well as Russia. So you have these Peace rallies essentially in the United States, in London, in Germany as well. Protests in Berlin over arming Ukraine against Russia draws thousands. And again, this article goes on to say that I believe uh, Germany behind the United States is one of the biggest suppliers of weapons for Ukraine. So the people of Germany saying, we don't want to be a part of this. The people of UK saying, please stop this. And again, a, a small subset of United state citizens, not a small subset, I honestly would venture to say a large majority of the population does not want to be at war because again, it will be our lives that are sacrificed. So just an update there about where we are currently headed as a country. And of course, what is this administration continuously focused in on? What is at the forefront for them? Not American citizens, Ukraine and gayness. Uh, this was Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre last week. And the last show, I played a clip about how one of their new administration members is gay. And she was touting this as some incredible accomplishment, like congratulations. OK, you like boys, whatever. Can you do the job effectively? Uh, here's Green Jean Pierre once again, completely overlooking the concerns that the average American has and um, here's the, the focus of the Biden administration. I want to take the opportunity to, to lay out uh, what how diverse the president's cabinet has been, how diverse the president's administration has been. Uh, the cabinet is majority people of color for the first time in history. The cabinet is majority female for the first time in history. A majority of White House senior staff identify as female. Forty percent of White House senior staff identify as part of the racially diverse communities. And a record seven assistants to the president's are openly LGBTQ+. So, Again, this is something that the president prides himself on. Okay, so there's the highlight of the Biden administration's life. Everybody in our administration is gay and a woman. It's also one of the most failed administrations in American history. Take from that what you will. By the way, one of the people that has been supported by 
President Joe Biden, was uh, Senator John Fetterman, who, by the way, checked himself into the hospital for clinical depression a couple weeks ago. Um, This was on February 16th. Again, it's been a minute since I've been able to report to you guys, but uh, highlighting for you here how this is your average Biden administration official, uh, the inability to do their job like mentally incapacitated at this point. Not only is Joe Biden suffering from dementia, but we now have John Fetterman, who is supposed to be an actively working senator in Pennsylvania, checking himself into the hospital for clinical depression. And then we also have rumors circulating that he's actually brain dead. Again, these have not been corroborated. This has not been confirmed. But many people are asking like, hey, it has been about two weeks and we haven't heard from John Fetterman. Reports are saying that his wife, Giselle, took their kids to Canada. And that's your average Biden administration official. They can't do their jobs. And we have truly sacrificed this country for progressivism. This is what a progressive administration looks like. It's Pete Buttigieg running away from minority reporters like me, right? They're supposed to care so much about minorities, uh, but they run away and they can't speak to me directly. It's John Fetterman checking himself into the hospital for alleged depression and not able to do his job. It's Sam Britton, who was a former Biden administration employee before he was exposed for being a thief who was stealing women's luggage and wearing their clothes around. That's the Biden administration. And a thousand percent, they still have the audacity every single day to lie to our faces. Joe Biden tweeted this whopper out today. So I guess I'm going to have to go to a man on the street and ask the American public to respond to this atrocity. Let's read it. When I travel the country, I see optimism for this year and the years ahead. The optimism of families with a little more breathing room, of Americans applying to start small businesses, or of a grandmother on Medicare whose insulin costs are capped at $35 per month. So Joe Biden, um, I don't know where the hell he's traveling to because so far all I've seen is him traveling to his Delaware beach house to go on his weekend vacations that we are funding. Um, he sees optimism. I don't. I see the exact opposite. So I'm going to go out in the streets and I'm going to go ask American citizens to respond to this because Joe Biden is incapable, not incapable, refuses to listen to the American people. And instead, his entire administration would prefer to just lie to our faces. Meanwhile, again, this is what we're dealing with at our border. Uh, border Patrol now begs for help to stop 800% surge of migrants sneaking into Canada. Let's keep going. From Breitbart, migrants housed in 85 New York City hotels as Eric Adams funnels taxpayer money to powerful real estate in uh, industry. Now, this is a really interesting article, too, because it basically highlights how Eric Adams is placing all of these migrants in these hotels. The real estate industry is uh, profiting off of it big time. And Eric Adams has been greatly funded. His campaigns funded quite a bit by the real estate industry. So um, migrants overwhelming cities our border, we're paying for it from Bill Malusian. 235 pounds of fentanyl have been seized by Border Patrol agents in the last 72 hours, meaning it was seized between ports of entry. According to the DEA, 2.2 pounds of fentanyl is potentially half a million lethal doses. So that is our open border. And um, this is something really interesting, too. This has not been confirmed, but a lawyer is now alleging that Katie Hobbs is accused of receiving Sinaloa cartel bribes. And again, the Sinaloa cartel is one of the cartels that runs the area near the Arizona border. They're a very big and powerful cartel in Mexico. And basically these lawyers alleging that they have been paying off government officials for, for years. They have been infiltrated in our government for years. And what I will say is I have talked to Border Patrol on the ground who have told me like, yeah, we have Border Patrol agents who will look the other way because the cartels will give them like a thousand bucks. And uh, at a checkpoint, they'll look the other way when there's a, you know, a trunk full of migrants that they're supposed to be stopping. So there very much is corruption in our governmental agencies that are supposed to be protecting us, supposed to be enacting the law. Instead, they're allowing this to prosper. So when I do see these allegations that Katie Hobbs is potentially taking bribes from the Sinaloa cartel, it's not surprising to me. Not confirmed quite yet. But from my perspective, from what I've heard on the ground from Border Patrol, who deals with this every single day, uh, 
you know, not not surprising. And I would venture to say that this could potentially be true. So we're going to have to wait on that one. Now, another person who has been in the news is the president of El Salvador, Nayib Bukele. And it's because he has essentially opened. um, Let me read this for you guys here. The Center for the Confinement of Terrorism. And um, what that is, is um, a single operation where they transferred 2,000 gang members to the Center for the Confinement of Terrorism. Um, This will be their new house where they will live for decades, mixed up, unable to do more harm to the population. And uh, again, this is just some of the imagery here. You're seeing like hundreds of MS-13 gang members that are being uh, rushed into this facility. And if you do look at the crime rates in El Salvador, they have plummeted. Tucker Carlson's people actually did a documentary on Bukele. Sorry if I'm butchering his name. Um, But they sat down with him, who was on Tucker Carlson today, and they basically highlighted how, surprise, surprise, when a president came into El Salvador, cracked down on MS-13 gang violence, the gang violence plummeted from Reuters El Salvador murders plummet by over half in 2022 amid gang crackdown now they've been a laughing stock all day long because they actually replied to that video that uh, the president put out of all of these gang members in this new confinement center and they were like oh wow like there's going to be an overrun jail population and they basically tried to say that it was a bad thing that MS-13 violent gang members were in jail Um, But going into this article as well, murders in El Salvador tumbled 56.8% in 2022 amid a widespread crackdown on gang violence, the government said on Tuesday, extending a sharp drop in killings in a nation which for years had one of the worst murder rates. So isn't it kind of crazy what happens when you have government officials that are willing to enact the law and protect citizens? From AP News as well, in El Salvador, this is from December of last year, a tough anti-gang crackdown proves popular. Nine months into a state of emergency declared by President Nayib Bukele to fight street street gangs, El Salvador has seen more than 1,000 documented human rights abuses and about 90 deaths of prisoners in custody, and Bukele's popularity ratings have soared. And you know what? It's so funny to me, too. Like, I'm reading this, and... That's what the AP is focused in on. They're not focused in on the lowering rates of crime. They're not focused in on the residents being safe. No, they're they're focused in on the human rights abuses and the deaths of these poor prisoners in custody. Those prisoners are violent MS-13 gang members. They even go on to say it in the next paragraph. For decades, El Salvador's main street gangs, uh, Barrio 18 and MS-13, have extorted money from nearly everyone and taken violent revenge against those who don't pay. The gangs, which have been estimated to count some 70,000 members, have long controlled swaths of territory and extorted and killed with impunity. So Bukele comes in and more than 60,000 people have been arrested under these new measures he you know declared this state of emergency you see those homicide rates going down and like i said here's reuters tweet i, I wanted to bring it up they say el salvador's government moved thousands of suspected gang members to a newly opened mega prison the latest step in a controversial crackdown on crime that has caused the central americans nation prison population to soar That's the angle they're taking on this here. Suspected gang members. You watch the video. All the homies in this video have MS-13 tattoos all over their faces and bodies. They're clearly MS-13 gang members. And Reuters has the audacity to say these are suspected gang members. And this is controversial to crack down on crime because the prison population is soaring. Yeah, let's completely ignore the fact that the uh, country is the safest it's ever been. And MS-13 has been running those streets for decades. But now a president came in and enacted law and order and the residents so much safer. The homicide rate cut in half. And that's how the American media decides to phrase that, because the American media, just like the entire Biden administration, does not care about our lives. They don't care about making things better. They care about the controlled demolition of the United States. And it's absolutely disgusting. We need to continue to hold these officials accountable because 
They don't care about us. They don't care about our country. If they did, we would not be in the state of decay that we are in. Why is it that so many loved Donald Trump and said that he was one of the greatest American presidents in history? Because when he was in office, he said, hey, uh, let's bring up businesses back home to America. Let's go ahead and uh, cut gas prices down by pumping our own oil here in America. Uh, let's go ahead and just use common sense business policy to run our country. And everyone was having a great time. The economy was doing great. Uh, crime rates. Well, I don't know if crime rates were down under Donald Trump. Um, I'm like trying to think about that off the top of my head because that's more of like a state level type thing. Um, but yeah, like, for example, with Black Lives Matter, right? Uh, Donald Trump was like, hey, we're going to send in the National Guard. And then with Portland, for example, Mayor Ted Wheeler got so upset and he was like, oh, you authoritarian dictator. These peaceful BLM Antifa rioters have only been trying to burn down our city for 100 days straight. How dare you enact the National Guard? Um, so, yeah, you know, uh, Donald Trump was known as the president of law and order. Uh, he put the media in their place. And um, that's why people loved him. And that's why people are tired of Joe Biden. So, again, you know, whether you love or hate Donald Trump in the modern day, just giving credit where credit is due and highlighting the difference between an America first president versus an America last president. And then bringing in El Salvador just as the cherry on top of the cake of uh, this is what happens when you actually enact the law. Our country does not have to be this way. Our country didn't used to be this way. And it's disgusting that, again, these corrupt leaders and politicians continue to play politics with our lives. My name is Savannah Hernandez. This has been another episode of Rapid Fire. Please remember to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you do like the show, go check out my website, savsaysofficial.com. And again, the show is funded by you guys. So go check out Subscribestar. And uh, all of the money that I make on that platform goes into buying new equipment for this show new equipment for my on the ground reporting. Uh, remember when I went to Philadelphia and my camera got smashed and my microphone got smashed. That was expensive equipment, but because of your funding and your support, I was able to replace that. So thank you truly to every single person in this audience who has always supported me, who has always been there. And uh, again, you know, like I said, I will always speak on behalf of the American people and I always read your emails. I read your direct messages. I read all of your comments, whether they're positive, whether they're negative, because I truly do want to be a positive change in this country in a time of intense turmoil and deception. Uh, I want to help make a positive change. So again, truly, thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode and I will see you guys next time.